Welcome to a special presentation where Derek Condent is interviewed by Tyler Stanaway, the compassionate Viking, discussing crystals, the metaphysical universe, energy, frequency, Bigfoot, and all types of different conspiracies. This program was recorded on August 30th, 2023. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Compassionate Viking Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Stanaway, and today's episode is a fucking banger. I got to sit down with one of the most interesting, fascinating human beings I've ever came across. His name is Derek Condit. He is the owner of Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington, and I had the pleasure to sit down with him and pick his brain and bullshit and connect and because of that i am a better human being so derek thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast and two let's let's just give a little intro of what this guy is so mystical wares is a crystal shop but it's more than a crystal shop they put on live events they put on teachings they have Everything from crystals to dowsing rods to mantras to pyramids. They work with scalar energy. He does, he does readings, even remote viewing readings. They have tarot cards. They have like literally everything magical you could possibly think about. They have it there. So it says Derek is an intuitive energy worker. And the way that he perceives energy is such as this. Individuals such as myself are sometimes called seers. I prefer to describe myself as a frequency perceiver. With a combination of natural-born intuition and many years of self-expansion and training, I've learned to perceive our reality through not only my five physical senses, but also through my chakras, which are the metaphysical senses. Thus, perceiving our reality from not only the physical reality, but also the metaphysical reality. Using these expanded understandings and abilities, which we all possess, I can not only see spirit guides, angels, and past loved ones, but also communicate with them. With the understanding that time doesn't truly exist, what are often called past lives which I like to call concurrent lives, can also be perceived during a session. So, I mean, how many people have you met who have a little intro like that about themselves? I have not. So when I was asked via his wife through email to come and meet Derek and sit down with him, I was flabbergasted. You like that word? Flabbergasted? <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about some crazy shit. Derek, who is the owner of Mystical Wares out in Mount Vernon. On my last podcast, I had talked about the shout-out of a fan who happened to stop by the store to get some shungite, mentioned my name, and all of a sudden the, the divine plan was put into motion. So here we are up at the crystal shop with the man, the legend himself. Thank you very much, Buddy, I appreciate you coming on and being a guest on my show. Uh, I think that the way that we should do it is let's just start out with, uh, you don't have to go into super detail, but 
where you were, you know, where you were born, your child. How did you go from a young man to where you're at today? And then we'll, and you don't have to go through every single detail. Just, uh, usually you don't end up with a crystal shop out of, from the time you were a little boy, you know, but could be wrong. And I would like to know myself. I, this is the first time that we really have got to hang out other than the other day. So tell me a little bit about yourself, buddy. Awesome chatting with you. The synchronicities, as you may have mentioned before, just innumerable. There's so many how they lay out. Um, and then you talk about, you know, so the beginning, I'll have to move kind of fast because probably similar to your life, it's been a whirlwind and it's gone fast. So I started in California, so down in L.A. Okay. So that's where I was born and raised. I was there, you know, to my teens, moved around a lot for a lot of reasons. But once I got out of high school, that's where I hit the floor running. So I'm moving kind of fast here, but that's where it starts to get a little exciting, uh-huh. for me at least. Um, I joined the military at an early age, the U.S. Army. So I was there at 21, spent some time there, lived in Europe for some time in Germany. A um, whole lot of podcasts have been done about those because a lot of experiences there into the woo-woo, as you know I like to term it. Um, but we'll kind of skip past that for now. But spent my time in the military and then... Became a commercial deep sea diver, as we had talked about between you and I before. Yeah. So we went to similar school or the same same school. school. Fact, that's right, the exact one. Yeah, because often I don't see people who went to that school, and there's so few of us too. Mm-hmm. That's not a big number. So um, similar to I went spent some time in the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana, working on the oil rigs, working on the oil rigs, commercial diving. Yep, yep. doing everything from underwater welding to piloting ROVs. You know all the fun stuff. Construction. It's, it reminds me of like a go see your local construction site and then just put it under the ocean. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, you use similar tools under Hundred percent. Yeah. And a lot of times I wouldn't even have flippers on. I'd have steel toe boots. I almost never had flippers, and we wouldn't. We'd wear Levi's and coveralls uh-huh. and boots, right? Like that. Yeah, it's often rubber boots. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, they were rubber. Oh yeah. Yep, oh, yeah. they were rubber, but they're still still toe rubber boots. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's right. Most people wouldn't know that either, because unless you're in that industry or uh huh. Yeah, they're not often that prevalent. Um. Yeah. So I did that for some years. Um. I'll leave lots of bits and pieces in there trying to move quickly, but long story short, I moved between seven different states in the U.S., a lot of time in Arizona, um, and of course through California, Oregon, and some other states, but ended up here in Washington State, where I'm located now, um, which is where I run Mystical Wares, and, but when I landed up here out of the military, actually, let me, I'm kind of jumping here, after commercial diving, that's when I became a... Washington State Correctional Officer. Okay. So I worked up in the Monroe Correctional Complex for about 16 years as an officer. Lots of stories there I won't get into now. Um, but that was a school in itself. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. They, they weren't the nicest or calmest individuals that were incarcerated there. Of they course They were there not. for a reason. Yep. Okay. So in that environment, that it, heightens things unbelievably. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, yeah, just the individuals I got to uh, well, yeah, interact with. You have to have your head on a swivel all day, every day, right? Not just your head, but your senses, okay. because there's always around your back. Danger. Things. That's right. So then you're, as I like to joke about, I'm calling them your metaphysical senses. You have to have those heightened. So if all of a sudden you've got your gut instincts or your spider senses tingled, you better not just swivel, you better know Something else is happening to that person's doing this. There's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's a, a training ground for advancing um, intuitive, which everybody has, of course, um, intuitive senses. So spent some time there. Um, 
And then during, and actually jumping all the way back to my childhood, so my dad and I are gold prospectors as well, and okay. or rock hounds. And I was actually spent some time up in 2012 in Nome, Alaska, at a show called Bering Sea Gold. It's really old. So I was up there um, with some dredges um, doing that kind of thing, and that was a whole kind of large chapter, but short in time itself for me too. Lots of energies and the environment being up there was a, a big aha moment for me. Okay. So I'm mentioning that for a reason. I'll probably get back into that. Yep. But with that background, um, again, from childhood on, being a, a, a rock hound and then also an actual gold prospector because my dad would place claims on different areas of gold and then sell them and do different things with them. So we went to the full extent of that, not just sitting in uh, a local creek with a pan, which is a blast as well, by the way. Yep. I haven't um, done it before, but I want oh, to. We'll have to do it because I've got dredges and sleuths and all kinds of oh, things. Oh, shit. Yeah, we'll have some fun. Okay. Um, and you can find gold, and this is for the listeners as well, in almost every creek and river stream in the U.S. Really? It's everywhere. It just depends how patient you are and then the little tricks on where you might want to look. Okay. And I won't bore you with all that now, but yeah. it's a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, just yeah. like fishing, right? There you it, go. Yeah. There's almost fish in every stream or creek that you fish. But mm-hmm. there's little tricks on where to hang out and, and, you know, how to do it and patience. Yeah. Oh, that was a tough one for me, patience. <laughs> patience. Oh, <yeah. laughs> it was. And that I started to learn and expand more into. And I'm talking about patience as well as other things. When I retired from the Department of Corrections and opened what we can call a crystal shop here. So it's, it's mystical wares and it's rocks and crystals and a lot of stuff in here, but it's an energy center is how I see it, too. Yes, yeah. It feels like a healing facility. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, it's like a mini cathedral from back in the day. It's it's unusual because the people, in a good way, that come in, even myself now, and I've had open several years now, just that, that energy hit you get when you walk in. Yeah. And it's really cool to see, Tyler, when people come in that aren't into the rocks and crystals and gems or any of the woo-woo stuff that I like to jokingly call it. But they'll get brought in by a friend. They'll always pause at the entrance and have to catch their breath. Of course. And then in this back entrance, they'll go, oh, my gosh. Because it's, it's, it's weird because it's heavy, but not in a low vibrational. It's heavy because of how power the high vibrates, like zapping you mm-hmm. rather than like a weight on your shoulder. Yeah, it's you not know? overwhelming. No, no, it's, not, it's yeah. not weight on your shoulder. It's like, boom, punch you right in the face. Like, Oh. Yeah, you you feel it whether you're you claim to be a feeler or not. We're all energy sensitives, or you can turn that different way. Or empaths, we feel subtle energies, but this is that place that really heightens it too. And not, it's no little reason because of all the shungite, um, which is a mineral. Maybe we'll talk about that more later. But we have a large amount of it here, and that's a a big, useful energy tool. Shungite or is. shungite. Uh huh. Yep. So, um, and that's a mineral. Again, if we want to chat later about it, we can. But that wasn't lost on me, so I've integrated that here. And somewhere in the years I was a correctional officer, I became an organic or treatment-free beekeeper. Okay. And I'm very anti-chemical because, of course, we're energy beings. We're not chemical beings. We don't <laughs> need chemicals to fix an energy issue. And that wasn't lost on me. So then I started, again, keeping bees or tending to bees and then realizing, well, you don't need to put chemicals on that and treat them with it because, by the way, it gets in your honey as well. And I teach whole classes on that. So when the humans go extract the honey, it's not treatment-free honey. There's stuff in it. And right. then there's ways to affect the bees with that mineral shungite I mentioned that works similar to like a Faraday cage, if, if people know what I'm talking about. A lot of ex-military will probably know, but think a container that helps affect or limit harmful frequencies in your environment and 
in the military and government cases, they put computers in there and this, that, and the other. But bees are another thing, and your house as well. So if we're sitting in my office here at the store, and in the paint, we've put shungite powder in the paints, painted the walls. You do the same thing on a beehive, mm-hmm. and in essence, you're making a Faraday cage. Around your house. That's or, right. Or around and your beehive or wherever we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we have, I don't know how many energy workers that um, – Use shungite in that way, blending it. Um, there's even contractors that put in like cements now because it's not just woo woo. Oh, it's a hope and a prayer kind of thing. I'm making fun of it, but that's all real. It's science as well, which is why on on our website I've built that shungite science page for those again. I'll just term it science minded individuals. They can read it where it's been shown to have this effect or the other. Where it's not just a knuckle dragger like me telling you about it. You, <laughs> you know, or I both. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, now, now because it's from the scientists, now it's actually credible. Yeah. So exactly. for you guys, it's credible out there. It doesn't doesn't have to be from just us normal folks. You yeah, know. So for all the naysayers, but you know, also even working with tools like that. In the science realms or medical realms, they'll call it the placebo effect. Okay. They'll give you a sugar cube, tell you it's going to cure this out of the other, and it does. Well, it's not the sugar cube doing it. It's the thought, the person getting their imagination and emotions, their metaphysical senses, that's what affects that part of reality. So getting them to trigger that, and then they'll heal themselves. And so there's lots of ways of just all sorts of miracles. You know, when you said that, um, this is a little off topic, but still on topic. You just said that you had mixed shungite in with the paint to paint the walls to create f- essentially a Faraday cage to emit, or not to emit, but to uh, cancel out harmful EMF and radiation. There's something that I've came across. I can't remember his name, but I want to say it's like Joffrey Dunn or Joffrey Lunn. Joffrey something. And he specializes in ancient pyramids, okay, and the Egyptian pyramids and whatnot. And he's came across this special blue paint that they painted over all of these things, okay? And what he's finding out is that special blue paint in particular does the same type of thing as what you're just saying. It's it's like an energy shield pretty much. Well... You hear about these fires in Hawaii that were not not they weren't just natural fires. Sure, Something yeah. some type of direct energy weapon was used. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. A knuckle dragger like me can figure it out. There's guys. more to the story. There's more to the story. I've recently been coming across a bunch of people videotaping from there and anything of the blue, the same color blue that this other guy that I know about who was researching from the pyramids mm-hmm. did not get burned. So the, there, there's some type of correlation going on where I'm understand, I, I'm, I'm able to connect these dots somehow. Mm-hmm. Your shungite that you just said of lead paint on the walls, the blue on the pyramids in, in Egypt, and the blue that didn't get affected by the direct energy weapon in Hawaii – there's something there. And there is, there is. And that's interesting you just uh, mentioned that because I saw as well. And with shungite, there's something, a correlation to the color violet. So it's in that same hue range, yep. which, of course, is also a range of frequencies. Those frequencies, be it in the form of shungite, which is a black rock it looks like to when you first see it online, so many search engines it. Um, it looked like carbon, like charcoal, or something like that. But the frequency is a violet frequency. And there's a lot, actually, there's a meteorite some years ago. 
that exploded emitting that color right above the Shungite field in Karelia, Russia. Oh, really? And that wasn't random, and it was on a certain day, and that's a whole other podcast on there, but it wasn't random, so it is a frequency thing, and it does um, have an effect, Shungite and the colorations you were talking about on those be it buildings or, or fences, whatever specific thing it was, because it varied, um, neutralized, and what's why Shungite has an effect on... 5G and the other one. So we'll just say frequencies. Uh huh. It does because all those do tie together. Okay. So it took enough of the ingredients out so that it didn't start. So the that fires. it didn't yeah. start the fires. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, there's so much magic. And you going can do it with on. your mind. You don't have to have some You can use your imagination, which is, and for the listeners, I know you don't know what I'm about to reference here with Tyler, but I have a soccer ball shaped display in here just I use for visuals. But it's hollow. But it's hollow, so it's a carbon-60 molecule, a fullerene, a buckyball. Some of your listeners are going to know any one of those terms. It's the carbon, it's the molecular shape of the molecule in shungite. And physicists, and again, anybody can reference our shungite science page on the website. And it's not me talking about them. I have the actual studies there, and it's not me doing it in my garage trying to convince you of something. Mm-hmm. It's all legit, and I'm throwing air quotes up here. Um, but that molecular shape is what you can use with your imagination even if it's on yourself, so you can imagine yourself. And I'm talking about a U.S. soccer ball, so depending on where you're listening. Um, I'm not talking about what we would call a football. I'm sure you have a wide range of listeners. Right. So it's made of hexagons and pentagons. And by the way, the hexagon shape, the six-sided shape, not a random shape. Honeybees don't build their honeycombs and honey cells with the shape hexagon randomly. They've been around a while. They know what they're doing. And they're energy beings, pun not intended, um, so they use that shape for a lot of reasons for that, um, for their honey. Right, because of, because of the sacred geometry behind it. It is, and it moves you what scientists would call orgone energy. So it's called orgone, the living energy field around us, yep. and it moves that and continues it moving, and that's what affects your biofield or aura. And there's a reason they also, medical doctors as well, and scientists, they know about the frequency in a bee's buzz, not the sound, and a cat's purr. There's a frequency, a reverberation under that, 0.1 hertz, that is a healing one. And okay. that's been shown scientifically proven. Yeah. But you can write that on a piece of paper. You can imagine it. And or as I was talking about with this the beginning of this little chat, imagine that soccer ball shape, just say full of love, around whatever you're trying to have an effect on. So let's say yourself, that's think a metaphysical energy container. And that's how you would use it. It's like a little, it's a little like, yeah, energy safe. Yeah, it, that, it does. Or, or, or generator. It, it, it is. That's good because it keeps it moving. And here on 3D, if we have a glass of water, of course, water is one form of energy on the physical realm. Doesn't that water work a lot better in a container called a pitcher or a cup? Energy <laughs> holds form in that way. And if I dumped it out on the table, a cup of water, it would evaporate in a couple hours, but it'll take days, even though it's an open container, to evaporate. Okay. So what I'm saying is if you take that same understanding to your metaphysical aspects of reality, which is 90% of it, you can use those using your imagination, which is real. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Uh-huh. Of course, you know that. Yep. So use your imagination. Imagine that energy container, a soccer ball shape. And there are others like pyramids and merkabas and things, but just for ease of conversation, we'll talk about the one. That's how you can use those things. It's kind of like an etheric hygiene. Okay. It affects your energy body. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes so much sense to me too. The, your container, your container metaphor is, uh, even gasoline, petroleum, it's energy, right? You got to go fill your car up so you can keep going. Well, if you don't have a fuel tank or a gas tank of some sort, 
it, it's it's kind of pointless. Yeah, energy, you know, for to keep it cohesive and usable, containers work best for energy. That's why I use the reference of water in. 3D. Yeah, well, it was a perfect. Yeah, because it, it's open. You don't have to have it shut. You know. Yeah, it's a thing. Very and then, cool. That's why I call it etheric hygiene because, of course, we're taught every day or every other day something like that to take a bath or shower for our physical bodies. But at best, we're taught to go hug a tree or sit in the dirt for our energy bodies. And those are great things. Um, but there's always more to the story. And that's when I get into. There's even more there is, powerful yeah. things. And it can, you can continue to cleanse yourself longer if you use, integrate the imaginary containers in the, your, your cleansing processes. Hell yeah. yeah. There's always more to the story. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of ways to use this stuff. Okay. So where did we leave off on your, on your trip here? Okay. So you have now purchased a crystal shop and you are. Actually, I built it. Or you scratch, built it. Yep. Okay, so you built the crystal shop, and you are now in the f- process of collecting shungite for bees. Yep, and we actually gift it. So we gift shungite powder and nuggets, and it doesn't take much to turn a beehive into a shungite beehive. And for the listeners, if you're interested, on the website, again, there's a page called Shungite Beehives where I get into all this information, teach you how to make your own shungite paint, because um, we're all about sharing and everybody empowering each other. So all that's for free up there and, um, and a lot of information and videos I've put together. But, that's, but I'm also, so here's where I'm going to jump into the woo-woo, is I'm also, and I don't like terms or labels. Okay. So I, I, some societies call people like me seers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I like the term a perceiver. Okay. Because I perceive reality. I don't just see it. But to get to blunt, I can... See, using my third eye, the metaphysical. So I can see entities. I can see energies, biofields, ores, a lot of stuff. And what steers that is literally, and remember, I'm a blunt guy, is my imagination and emotions. Those are my controllers for that. And we can call them chakras. Um, but when those activate, I can actually interact with other entities. And mm-hmm. So I'm a, I, I like to make fun of it and call myself a cheater. So I get to cheat sometimes and see stuff and... Some of the stuff you want to see, some, you know. Well, it works, because when I came in here last time, you had told me things that only I would know about myself. My ear, remember? You were saying yeah. about my the ringing in my ear, which I haven't told anyone out about. I didn't even tell Vanessa about, because mm-hmm. well, what does she care? It's just me complaining, okay? Yeah. Well, that's not her Another problem. physical ailment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and I left it. And so when you brought that in, um, I was like, yeah, my ear's been ringing. And like I said, I knew that it wasn't EMF because of the way it it felt organic. It would sure. irritate me because of how the high the vibration would be, yeah. and it would like really, really ring me like like you. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, ah, oh, god damn it. Yep. But it, well, I I knew that it wasn't like bad. Sure. Whereas if I go by a five G tower, I'll have a headache within probably fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, and but it'll be different than that. Oh, it feels ill. Yeah. It makes me feel ill. Yeah. Like actually, it feels like synthetic or artificial it's so bizarre it disrupts your whole aura or biofield and makes it harder for you to perceive the metaphysical is what the antennas do because i shungite the antennas all the time yeah that's a thing too and that's what those towers are doing they're keeping you from paying attention to the 90 percent of reality locking you into the five sense reality the matrix absolutely 100 if you get locked into the five senses you're virtually blind in all aspects in this realm. Yeah, because, again, 10% <laughs> is physical, and that's BS either. Anyway, and I won't bore you with the physics of it, not that it would, but it's an accumulation of photons, light particles, and it's been scientifically proven, for those one that probably already know this anyway, entities, us humans, can affect light particles with our thoughts. That's a thing. 
Okay. And there's been so many studies on that. I'll go really quickly, but for example, I'll try to be as visual as I can, but think, and I'm going to, again, um, turn this into layman's terms, just go quickly, but they, and it's not a piece of paper, but they had a piece of paper, poked two holes in it, shot a photon at it, had a person observe it, and it affected it. So, and all we need, and again, I just went really quick to do it, but all we need to really extrapolate from that is, wait, a human looked at a light particle with, and they tried to see it, but it's their thoughts and imagination that affected it. It affected where that particle went without touching it. And they've done these things. They'll call it quantum entanglement. They've mm-hmm. put these similar particles where they split them, put them on the, a space station or the other side of the planet. And again, I'll, I'll make fun of it, but they'll put the other half in a box and shake it. And it's more than that. Right, 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 yeah. Okay. But then the other one would respond. So, and again, we don't need to, as average people, air quotes here, none of us are average, by the way, to be able to spell that process out to the you know scientific understanding, this, that, and the other. We just have to have the aha moment that it's a thing, or I sometimes call it the oh shit moment, and go, oh shit, we can affect our reality. Have that, it's literally, and there goes my ear ringing off the hook right now, is my right ear this time. Okay. That's a thing too. So as you have certain understandings or thoughts, your metaphysical senses, people like to call them abilities. There are no abilities, there are understandings. We can all do these things. And as your understandings expand or have those aha moments or epiphanies, the abilities turn on. That's how I've figured out and put the puzzle pieces together myself. Okay, because it hasn't always been this way your whole life. No, not. Well, I mean, you've always had the abilities, mm-hmm. but you hadn't been able to harness these abilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, somebody's saying, well, I'm born, let's use a, a, a description that people understand, so a wine taster. Not everybody just sits down and calls themselves a wine t- They have to hone their senses, in this example, their taste and smell buds and their thoughts to differentiate between this, that, and the other. And I don't know what I'm talking about with wine, by the way, but I needed an example. Yep. But they had to hone that ability or sense to so they can differentiate. And then we call them subtle energies. Okay. So then I went through Reiki master training, all, and I don't do Reiki. That's from somebody like my perspective, that's saying, like handing you a, a Betty Crocker cookbook and saying, you got to cook these recipes. Okay. Well, I'm not the most patient guy in the world. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't need that. I just need to know how to cook. Yep. Work energy. Yeah. And, then, and it's not this way or that way. It's just energy. Yep. And then jump in the pool and go. Um, and then, as I mentioned to you off the podcast, my mom was, again, we're all intuitive. Um, and for some reason, she was, we didn't have the word psychic. I mean, it was out, but we didn't know the word psychic back then. We right. Said, oh, mom, new stuff. We don't know how. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be unbelievable things that we just couldn't. But grew up with that, and I had the same access to those senses as she did. So I was adept at them. Um, and then it progressed from there, especially after my military time. But yes, these things did heighten. So it's not like I started and I'm going to make fun of this and it's not a thing either. Listeners, psychic level seven. No, it's everybody's everything. Um, it just heightened as I had the realizations, as I mentioned earlier. Okay. So meaning my, uh, again, for easy, I'll say abilities just so we can get the conversation go faster. So my abilities definitely were not all at again, make-believe levels here at whatever level, and then they progressed as I learned a magic yoga pose or something like that. And I'm not just in yoga. It's great. Right. But it's none of these things you have to do, and you don't have to be a vegetarian, climb a mountaintop, find a guru, or anything like that. And I just happen to be a vegetarian as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not what did it. Yeah. Okay. So it's really when I had those aha moments, just, oh, that's a thing, and just they turned on and or heightened. So that's one of the things I wanted to really get across is that, we can all do this. Granted, some people seem to be more adept or this, that, and the other, but it's not a time thing. It's not a race. We can all do these. And when I perceive other people's 
energies or auras or biofields. I can see what they call their chakras too. And we're not limited. I don't, I don't have any background training. I'm in no club. So what I'm saying by that is because um, some understandings out there say you have seven chakras. Well, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. Because I look at others and I can see them off their body because you're not crammed in this vehicle we call a body anyway. You're all around it. Okay. And you got energy centers out there that aren't physical. So, so I, again, with my limited background, I don't have any belief systems. Um, there's no conditioning that started. It's like you, it's oh, yeah. all just trial and error and what you've, which is to yeah. me, the, the ultimate, the ultimate education. I think there was a famous quote one time where it's like, the only type of real education is self-education. Anything else is training or procedure. Yeah, that's, that's good. And yeah. that's true. Yeah. It's or like suggestions, or, you know, for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, uh-huh. yeah, no, the real education comes from doing it. Yep. If it didn't come from just doing it and it came from master sensei of whatever it may mm-hmm. be, then you learned procedure and training. You were given rules uh, or maybe a contract. And, and maybe that is the correct way to do it. And and you do it that way, and then you do it yourself, and you're like, yeah, roger that. This is the way that we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. However, until you do it yourself, it was training a procedure. Once you did it yourself, learn that it is the way or mm-hmm. isn't the way. Now you've self-educated. That's why I use cooking analogies a lot because you're taught to follow this recipe. Uh, no, you nah. can tweak a recipe. You can leave, you know, do it you. Do you. Yeah. That's another way of putting it. I think because then you're going to get in the groove, go with the flow, pull in the energies, and advance and yeah, or expand is a better way of thinking about it. Yeah, which is what we talked about about the podcast. Yeah. When we started, I said, I have no rules. There's no rules on this <laughs> podcast. Why would there be rules on the podcast? Yeah. Who needs them? Uh, well, the thing is, is like we're good human beings. And if you want to swear, swear. If you have some some convictions to make, you have some energy to release or flow in a direction, that's what this is for. And to to not rehearse and to not be actors and to not have um some uh what's it called? Little like cue cards? Yeah, or something? cue cord cards to read mm-hmm. off of. That's what everyone's sick of. That's why the world is the way that it is. We've been living in the Truman Show, you know? <laughs> Good. It's, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> it's like, oh, no, yeah. we don't want the Truman Show. We want real, authentic energy, beings, charisma, passion, enthusiasm, love coming through in, a, in, a, in that divine moment in time. Yep. Practicing it is silly to me. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it'll it's, come natural. It's one thing if you have a speech, like, you know, you need to go do a speech or a presentation. You're, you're trying to deliver, in that sense, absolutely practice it. Don't get up there and make a fool out of yourself. But on a podcast, which is just long-term, long-format conversation, when, at least in my life, I can't think of one time I rehearsed my conversations to talk with another person unless it was what I was going to come up, what lie I was going to come up with to get out of trouble from my mom or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's about it. I, I'm as similar as you. You know, I don't, you know, jot anything down. There's no notes. We have, yeah. No, we're uh, here drinking water. Authentic. Yeah, exactly. No, it's go with flow. Structured water, rather. Yep. Actually, well, why don't we get in that? Yeah, yeah. We're sitting here drinking structured water. First off, what is structured water? And there's lots of ways of describing it. So it's sometimes called structured water or living water. Or in this case, I, I use the term shungite water because that's what we use in there. We use our attention as well. 
But all these tools affect what, because water is not just um, liquid water, of course. Mm-hmm. It has an energy layer to it. The liquid's the 10% physical, the rest is metaphysical. So your thoughts and feelings, and this, of course, all the listeners here, I'm sure, will know that, you know, they're called homeopathy in some circles, but if you write the word love on your water or under it or focus on it, it structures the water. And the science behind, they have done science behind this. So if you go to your tap, let's say, turn on the faucet, get a cup of water, there's probably a whole lot of chlorine and fluorides and other stuff in there and stuff that comes off the pipes that that water's just passing through. And that's before you even add anything to it if you choose to. But because the water molecules have gone through various pumps and 45-degree turns on pipes and things like that, which are not found in nature, on the energy level, it un, what would it be unstructures or destructures, so it's, it removes that aspect of it. So, And here's the study they did. When you drink that water I'm talking about before turning it into structure living water, your body will see it. And it'll identify it not as water, and you'll excrete 90% and maybe keep 10% because it hasn't been structured or living water. You haven't focused on it or put shungai, in our case, water beads in there or something like that. And then if you do focus on it on one of many ways, do it, and then drink that water, your body identifies it as water, and it absorbs about, those numbers reverse. You, you absorb about 90% and excrete 10 just by focus, I didn't say you had to get a special filter. You don't have to do this, that, and the other. You have to have the realization or use an energy tool like Shunga, like we're doing. There's machines. Again, you can hold it in your hand and just focus on it. All of this works in even more ways, but you have to take that time to energetically affect the water. And then your body, because you works, um, we get a lot of doctors that come in here, chiropractors and um, naturopaths that do what's called muscle testing. Okay. Same thought process goes over. Your body understands what's good for you and what's not on the energy level. Mm-hmm. And that can be water, too. So if it sees water that's energetically, air quotes in air again here, um, energetically unstructured, and again, that can be measured as well, your body knows it. So then you're gonna, it's going to get rid of it kind of thing. Okay, it doesn't want it. No, no, it's, uh, there's nothing in it for you. So, so that's interesting you say because I was researching some stuff. Um, there's an, a New Zealand woman. I can't her her... Austin Veda, I think is her name. I was listening to her. She has all sorts of things on cymatics of water and living water and, and fourth density water, I yep. think is what they call it too. All all this stuff. Yeah. And she was saying how when there's no, I'm going to use air quotes, life in the water. And what I mean by life is not an animal, but energy that has been stored in there that... You're, yeah, you're not you're you're not getting hydrated, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the reason why I bring that up is this is a really interesting thing. Actually, it's going to be cool for you to listen to. I do jujitsu. I train jujitsu. I'm rolling. I'm fighting. I'm I'm getting after it with your the local SWAT team members and the local police officers and our military guys coming off the boats down in Everett. I have salt of the earth savage men who I'm rolling with all the time, and I and I used to get so thirsty and i don't know if anyone's ever drinking a bunch of water when you're exerting a bunch of energy before whether it's running or fighting or wrestling it it doesn't sit that well it's like it gives you a side ache um if your heart rate gets up or your adrenaline dumps all of a sudden you want to puke it up and i was running into this issue of i'm exerting myself so much i'm sweating so much i need more water i need to be hydrated but I'm having to drink like that pitcher in a 30-minute time. Sure, sure. And it wasn't going well for me at all. And I actually 
got exactly what you have in there from here. Okay. Okay. This was the time I came up to meet you, but you weren't here. And I here. wasn't here. Okay. And you weren't here. I picked that up and I put that in my water bottle every single time. And I would say I drink a quarter of what I used to and I feel much more hydrated. And instead of me feeling like, even though my body wants to gulp it because I'm tired, you know, it's just, it loves the cold gulping of the water. I can take a couple sips and be good to go for another roll. Well, there's something to it. This is, once again, the self-education. I can listen to you. I can listen to Austin Veda. I can listen to these podcasts. And they're telling me, I did it, and now I know firsthand. Is it a placebo effect? I don't know. I don't care. It works. Everything's in it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, if it is a placebo effect, great. It works. I'm hydrated now, and I'm not getting sick by drinking a gallon of water in 30 minutes while I'm exerting, you know, at a 180 heartbeat per minute. Sure. So most people that drink this water in, in my office, I don't even tell them about that. They don't, and there's, uh, this is the best water, blah, blah, blah. And then usually I say, okay, here's why. Here's why. Um, and for the listeners, what we're talking about here is it's shungite water beads. So you get a visual. It's three 10-millimeter shungite beads with little holes in them. And then we kind of wind them or stitch them together with pure silver wire is what it is. Okay. And then you literally drop those directly, as we're doing here, in the water pitcher or your cup. And it's instantaneous, so it's not a time thing. The time doesn't exist anyway. So put it in there, and that affects the, the organ and the energy. And again, a lot of this science and description is on our website, but it's that fast. And it will turn that water back into living water, again, so your body sees it. So that's why you're able to drink so much less. Or some people come in who haven't had good water, real water, living water, and for who knows how long, they'll gulp down about half that pitch and go, oh, my gosh, what the heck? And it's delicious. I just sit here and just kind of smile. I'm like, no, it's not specially. It's not from this artesian well or blah, blah, blah. You can affect any of your water at home by doing these things. Right. However, just to clarify, that it's not getting ri- – if, if you're drinking city water with fluoride and, and insecticides and stuff, it's not getting rid of that still, though, correct? Well, actually, I got some input, and these studies are on there. So it's not – Affecting what it does to the particles, and it does absolutely have an effect, scientifically proven to have an effect on rad particles, which is radiation. Okay. Um, glyphosate, Roundup weed killer. What it does, it's not grabbing those particles like a little piece of carbon with a bunch of pores in it. It energetically removes anything out of alignment with you, and those two things are out of alignment with humans' biofields. It breaks them into their constituents. Okay. And the uh, think negative or neutral parts and pieces. So, yeah, it's not actually filtering anything. Now, but it's just killing it off pretty much. It does. It breaks in. So it's like if you had a cake that didn't taste good to you, it will eventually break into its parts and pieces. It's sugar, flour, and I'm not a cook, so whatever right. else is in a cake. Um, no, but what I do suggest is I have a good RO, reverse osmosis filter, carbon filter, and then UV treatment, and then I start with that. And these can be bought various places online or, or locally, um, water treatment devices, and then put your water in there with the shanga and that restructures it. So then you have removed a lot of those particles. If that's depending on your area where you live, you may or may not need to go through that. Yeah. I'm on a well, so mine's good. You're probably good there. So yeah. then you would just, just throw add the that in there. beads. Correct. Yep. And it's but delicious. if you're in a city like I am here, right. they throw all kinds of crap in there. I used to be, well, synchronicity, a recruiter, they used to call us headhunters, for wastewater treatment plant engineers. So I had to learn to the you know really intricate level, as much as I could at the time for those years, of how they process our water. And I'm not going to bore you with that now, but it straight goes from the toilet 
into these plants uh-huh. and then into your faucet. And back into your faucet. Uh, it does. I know. And they don't treat it for the chemicals that everybody just about has these prescriptions. Yep. That's in there as well. And that's also why I mentioned the RO, reverse osmosis, and or the UV treatment of water for different bacteria and viruses that are in there. So there's lots of things you can do to your water. Um, but, yeah, there's something. We're 80-something percent water as humans, these vehicles. Well, you might want to have your vehicle, you know, it's being rebuilt every day. Structured. Yeah, structured with the good stuff. Yeah. And again, even scientifically proven, putting a little sticker or the word love on your water affects it. They've even shown you can walk up to your plants and tell you, and I do a lot with plants, tell your plant you love it, tell the other one that it's it's not good or, you know, I'm going to have fun with this, Yeah. blah, blah, blah. And the one that you gave good energy to just in the form of thoughts, you yeah. don't have to give a special fertilizer, it's going to grow twice as fast. I agree. I That's do that. Thing. I oh, do sure. that. I would imagine you would because energy is not lost on you. No, because I, I learned, um, and maybe you already know about this, but f- for the listeners, one of my little mottos lately has been repetition. Okay, We cannot get good at anything without repetition. So I've had some people say, oh, you've already talked about that on your podcast before. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it again sure. and again and again until it's imprinted in us. Or you may hear it slightly different right. next time. Or, yeah, maybe you totally didn't listen to it with one ear and right out the other or right over your head. So <clears throat> plants are conscious beings. It's proven fact. They're, they're a conscious living being. They have energy. They're another energetic being, except for they live in the vessel of a plant and we live in the vessel of a human being. You can connect. I I think it's called EKG. EKG meter. That's one of them. I've, I'm actually looking at ordering one of those. That's funny. We didn't talk about this, everybody, no. listening beforehand, just so you know. But I am looking at it because you can measure the electrical responses from a plant. That's it. That's what I'm getting to. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I it's an EKG meter. You can get an EKG meter and actually hook it or clip it onto the plant or the leaves or the stem and read the voltage that that that, that plant's emitting. See it respond in real time as well. Yes. And so... How how could, if it's not an energetic being, how could it be reading on the energetic meter? You know what I mean? And it'll respond just to your words, as you were going to say. Yeah. Yes. And so there was a study that I had she, or I had gone over from listening to a podcast, and it was the direct connection or relation between humans and plants. Well, and not just humans and plants, other things in plants as well, including sound including frequencies, all the, including light. And what I had learned is that the frequency coming out of birds chirping in the morning time is telling the plants it's morning time. It's time to wake up. So the rooster crows at 4.30 in the morning not to be a nuisance and wake you up. It's to say, hey, guys, it's a new day. The sun's coming up. we got to wake up and open our petals and open our flowers because the bees are going to be out and the birds are going to be out, and we got to, you know, do the day again. I found that to be quite interesting because there was a man, I don't, I, I can't remember his name, but he had created like a uh, boombox type thing that you heard about this before? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about rep or imitating the sounds of birds and putting it out into his garden and they're growing you know way way better to the point where i can't remember if it's the same exact person but there was some scientific study this isn't just some bullshit thing 
someone had a really good connection relationship with their garden, talking to it every day, telling them they love them, how beautiful, how thankful, you know, the, the whole nine yards. Well, they got into a car accident far away, like I want to say like a thousand miles or something away. And someone had gone to the house and all of his plants were killed over. That's, now that's I some totally real woo-woo stuff. Yeah. However, if we have a direct connection and these, everything's energy and our words, our thoughts are energy and vibration, then there's clearly something to it. Just like us grounding, you know? I talk about it all the time. You can go ground barefoot, but if you go ground barefoot and hold on to a tree at the same time, you will multiply or, or amplify your grounding energy. And this is why you mentioned that you're a vegetarian. I am, I live on a farm. And so on one hand, it's like, well, you live on a farm, you eat livestock, you raise your own animals, blah, blah, blah. But the more that I spiritually awaken, the more my soul, and I'm going to get so much shit for this because I'm the compassionate Viking. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know that we're supposed to be eating meat. And the reason why I say that is because I've kind of stepped back for a minute and took a bigger look at the grand scheme of things. And I look at it two ways. Beings that... I essentially would follow, I would be considered an Odinist, even though I, I'm nothing. I'm, but that's the closest thing that I would prefer or that I see eye to eye with. And essentially it's living in harmony with nature. And it is, you always give back more than you take. And you are as self-sufficient and independent as possible. I'm accountable for everything. It's my, I am the leader. I'm the, I'm the sovereign being. Now, uh, if I really want to be self-sufficient, this is what kind of started this is on a, on a farm. I have X amount of animals that I take care of every day. And I, let's say I have 20 chickens. They're giving me eggs every day. Well, I have a family of five. We eat a, a whole chicken for just dinner in one night. If I was to eat chicken every night for dinner, in 20 days, I have zero chickens, which means I have zero eggs, which means I'm going to have to somehow hatch more eggs, and it takes, you know, 18 weeks to get this again. It, it doesn't make sense. Okay, the next thing is, is say it was a cow. Now it's even, it's not 18 weeks to raise this thing. Sure, you don't need a cow a day. You can get one cow that will last you quite a long time, but the effort that it takes to do it. And then my, this is going to seem so crazy. My relationship to animals. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's, and I, you know, I have uh, some vegan people that I know who they literally don't eat meat because of the cruelty of animals, but you go to Trader Joe's and get all of your vegan stuff, which I can, I can tell you how many birds and rabbits and grouse and fowl were murdered going through, <laughs> going through the fields with those tractors. So that's not a, like that to me, that can't be a valid reason if it's just about killing. Cause I could kill one elk and feed my family for a whole year and, or we could eat tofu and soy every day and the amount of death that, w that is caused, it's just not a big majestic animal like an elk. 
But is an elk's life more important than the rabbit's life? Is it more important than the little doves and the birds' life in the, out in the field? I don't know. I'm not the one to judge that. Just my own thing. However, some would say, okay, well, you go fish. We talked about the patience with fishing. You don't just cast and catch a fish and then go back home. You might go fishing all day, all day, and caught no fish. And now you just waste. When you're being self-sufficient, taking an entire day of accomplishing nothing is not going to help you very much at all. Then I have friends say, oh, well, we live up here in the Pacific Northwest. We'll go hunting. Bro, have you ever been hunting? Hunting is a massive amount of work. And hunting is very difficult. And if you're hunting on DNR public land, the chances of you catching something is so slim. Sure. I have friends who go hunting every year, and they'll they'll not get anything for years. Similar with me. <laughs> okay? Yep. It's hard. So I have a feeling my family of five is going to starve to death if I'm out hunting every single day. Now, if I caught one, that's great. But this has to be not just sustainable. This has to be regenerative. Like love, where it generates on itself. Self-perpetuating. Self-perpetuating. Sustaining, just like we have these UNESCO, United Nations World Economic Forum slogans of self-sustaining or sustainability. Okay, but what are we sustaining? If if you're sustaining bullshit, it will never work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I don't want to sustain bullshit. I want a regeneration. So when I go back to the farm, I'm looking at all these things. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't think that back in the day it was what we were taught. I don't think that they were killing all of these animals, eating meat all day, every single day. It's unreasonable. It's, it's not, it won't work. Like the cycle won't, it literally won't work. Now, if I have a chicken and all of a sudden, you know, it gets, it broke its leg or something, does that mean that I just let it rot or can I eat it? I would say eat it, but we don't go take the life to eat it. There's many, many, many other things, and when it comes down to is the only reason we need to eat is to fuel our battery, and what are we fueling the battery? Energy. You want to fuel a lithium battery, you plug it in the wall to suck the energy out of it, and then it fills it up. So it's not the substance itself that I'm filling up my body. This is why I can eat even though I don't and I would never eat 50 cheeseburgers from McDonald's and feel gluttonous as hell and full but still feel hungry and shitty because it's not the substance. It's the nutrients and minerals and vitamins within. It's the energy within. The energy, it. Yep. And so to me, the things that are growing directly out of the ground, hence when we just talked about grounding and how much electricity and energy is in it by plugging it up to the EKG meter. You take a 200-foot cedar tree, and look how much energy is. This is a giant antenna. So to me, it's like, okay, well, maybe since I'm searching for voltage, I should go around with my EKG meter and find out what plants I have out in my garden that have the highest voltage on it and start eating that and see what happens. This is just where where I'm going is like, it seems to me the things that are going to have the highest voltage are going to be the things coming out of the ground. Now, at the same time, I look at animals in the world. What's the largest animals in the world? Your blue whales, your elephants, your hippos. Now they're all, they all got warrior spirit. That's for damn sure. They, they know how to get down. 
But when they get down, they don't eat them. They just leave them for stranded out there because they're looking for grass or leaves. Yeah, sure. They're eating things of high voltage. The only things that are eating humans, I mean, not humans, um, other animals, your, your predators out there, your lions, your jaguars, sure, they'll go get a gazelle, they'll go get a zebra. It, they, they literally have to sleep all day long. Save up an hour to two hours of time, and they have to go hunt. And if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't, and they got to conserve again. So, sure, they're the most, let's say, badass out on the prairie. But most of their life consists of sleeping. They don't have energy. Why? When they're eating the biggest animals out there. They're eating a whole deer. But yet they have to sleep all day. Whereas this elephant is eating grass and leaves from trees. He's the most giant creature on the land, and he's walking thousands of miles back and forth. The whale is eating this little krill and plankton. It's a hundred, you know, hundred feet long. It weighs five hundred tons or whatever it is, and it swims around the world its whole life. I don't know, man. Is it, it, am I just totally out of touch, or am I getting onto something here? Yeah. So. No, that's interesting. It's all energy. Yeah. You, need, you don't need food. You need the energy around food. So that's why if you eat dead, rotting flesh from an animal, well, that it's called orgone energy is already turning into what's called door, dead orgone energy. Uh-huh. It's falling apart. It's not as cohesive as energy, so you get less from it. Where a plant, if you, and actually humans, and we have a, a long digestive tract, so that's not something you put meat in typically. That's a short digestive tract. And long ones, you have... Um, they're meant for you know plants or technically fruitarians. Yeah. So the best thing would be a berry or a melon or something right off the vine or plant, and then eat it that way. Of course, no chemical treatments or whatnot. Then you have the most living energy available, and you can survive off of that. Actually, technically, humans can live off just honey. Yeah. Not even drink water. Literally, just don't pasteurize it or um, you know, boil it is what it'd be called. But and then it stays with those living enzymes and energy. So you know, you're definitely onto something. And it's not that you have to be, as I mentioned earlier. Yes, I'm a vegetarian, but I wasn't. And for me, yes, so this is my perspective, it heightened my metaphysical senses that I mentioned earlier when I became a vegetarian. But that's a lot of because our guts and our glandular system are part of the connection to the metaphysical, just a a way of wording this. And because of all the bad stuff in their food and things, so it may not even be the meat sometimes. It could be the stuff they put in it, um, the different hormones and all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. That could be affecting your gut, limiting you metaphysically as well. So, um, but yeah, I wasn't always vegetarian, um, but I have I have advanced by being that. But again, that's not a everybody has to do this, that, and the other. Go with your own gut instincts. Long story short, yeah, yeah, whatever each person feels. And then, like right, like I said, right now I've been uh, to be honest in the summertime. You know, I've been on my my. I'm really into growing my own food. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of vegetables and fruit right now. Matter of fact, last night I had like two plums, a nectarine, a peach, and a big-ass apple. Nice. It's like, oh, that's a lot of fruit. Aren't you worried about your sugar intake? And I'm like, no, (laughs) not on, not on this. No, not on fruit. (laughs) Not on fruit. No one got, no one got flat or diabetic or fat or diabetic from eating apples and plums and pears. You know what I mean? (laughs) Not that I love. No. No. Okay. So let's get into, um, some more crazy stuff. Let's talk about let's talk about the bees. Shungite with the bees. Why why even worry about shungite with the bees? 
And that actually, and that all started back in about 2016. So I was still a, a correctional officer at the time. So started my beekeeping, as I mentioned. Um, but was so I'd start researching. I'd get on YouTube, talk to other local beekeepers. And long story short, everybody was throwing chemicals at their hives. And then I was waking up with what's called colony collapse disorder. And that's when a beekeeper would walk out to their hive, and all of a sudden the bees are gone. They're not all laying dead around the hive. There's no, they're just gone. And that's called calling. And that happens around the planet. And basically what that is, when the bees go out, they fly, fly, fly by energy lines. You can call them ley lines, but the energy is within our environment. And those are their roadways, we'll say. Well, when we turn on all these cell phone towers and every you know 10 feet there's a new Wi-Fi signal and cell phones and all of this stuff, that disrupts their, their path or their sight of that, and they don't return home to the hive before night. And if bees don't make it home before night, they stay out in there, and often they'll die because it gets too cold. Mm-hmm. They can't make it back. And or they fly out and get in such an environment that's chemically treated with Roundup, glyphosate, or other chemicals, and they get overwhelmed from that. So then I realized... And again, these studies are on the website, as I mentioned, but shungite has an effect on not just EMF or frequencies that are harmful to living beings, bees and humans, but they have an effect on the toxins, the free radicals out there, all of this. So all those different components affect the honeybees. And if we lose the honeybees, which we can thank for, they say a third, but it's more than that, a third of our food that we eat. We can think of bee because they pollinate or a pollinator, and often it's honeybees, at least in our in the U.S. Yeah, that are pollinating these fruits and vegetables and things like that. So if the bees went away, we'd have big issues. Um, so save the bees, you save us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's the thing too. But yeah, bees get get all those toxins and again free radicals and even more so frequencies out there affect them, and if they don't come back to the hive, the hive collapses, and then you have to start a new hive. Things like that. So I started realizing that so it's a big deal. It's a huge deal too. Yeah, and then honey's. So good for you, as we mentioned, you can literally survive off it. I don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, you know, have it and enjoy it. But, yeah. you know, we have, we have more options now. Um, but know that that's a thing, and the bees are helping our environment by keeping the foliage, the plants going, and other animals out there, too. And there's lots of ways, and I get into that on our website, where you don't have to be a beekeeper to help out. You can get a, a bird bath. Put some shungite in the bird bath. We have one out in front of Mystical Wares here. Put some shungite in there. Not just birds will visit that. The bees will. And bees will fly over seven miles for a drink of water. Really? Uh, you don't want them to have to, of course. No, of course. So that's how we can. I don't care if you're in an apartment building or you got a mansion or you're living in a tent. It doesn't matter. Put water out. The bugs, the birds, and things like that, and the pollinators will drink from that and not have to spend their energy going to that up to seven miles away water source. I think they're also attracted to shungite. Oh, they're 100%. We've, yeah. Our first, uh, I'll show you real quickly. Um, I had that first video on our website, and I didn't know. It was intuition that led me to put Shungite with the bees. And I actually had my cell phone out at the time. I go, in my head, so I'll be totally blind. I'm like, okay, well, let's see. Sure, I'm being, this is suggested to me, and I've been doing this psychic thing for a long time. So I knew it was all legit, just to have fun and go quick. Yeah. So it was something to it, but I didn't wrap my 3D head around it. So I'm like, okay, let's, and I'll, again, make fun of it. Let's put these little magic black rocks by the bees. And, and it, but it, they had already, Shungite had had a huge effect on me energetically that amped up all my senses as well. It's a story I didn't get into. So I knew it was a thing, put it there, and I'm pretty good, but I cannot train bees. And as far as I know, nobody on the planet can train a bee. 90 something percent of the bees walked directly over those three Shungite nuggets and earth or grounded on them. Not because I waved a feather over there or put some honey on it. Uh-huh. They went and they never stopped since then. And these videos are on there. So then I saw, Oh, it is, like I say, a thing. Uh-huh. And the bees can perceive energy. So long story short, they would land on the shungite, 
as they're coming or going from the hive, and my colony collapse disorder stopped. Oh, shit. So I stopped having losses. And then other things you can do for, like, the funguses, because people say, well, other things kill the bees. It's called colloidal silver, and I make that as well with shungite water. For those that don't know, think small silver particles suspended in water. It kills harmful bacteria and viruses. So you spray that on the inside of your hive. That keeps the funguses down. And then the bees have a place to earth or ground, as we call it, on the shungite. Now they're healthy enough to withstand some of that BS stuff outside the frequencies. Helping them. It's giving them armor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that you... Uh, sold colloidal silver with Shungite. I have a story for you. Oh. My my oldest son, or not, I guess he's not my oldest son. My oldest son is Vincent, but he's my stepson. My biological son <clears throat> had whooping cough when he was nine months old, okay? Whatever that is. I follow terrain theory over germ theory, so I, I'm not sure. Do you know the difference between terrain theory and germ theory? I don't think I've heard those terms. Okay. That's something that maybe Crow actually is someone to talk to about. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Saint Germain, Saint, Saint. I was, I'm listening to that part where you don't see my computer behind us, the listeners, and the screen's blanked out right now. Yeah. I have Crow Triple Seven, as we were talking about a podcaster out there. I have seen one of Saint Germain's episodes on right behind. Really? On oh, that screen. Right, I was listening to it before you came As in. As I looked over there. Yeah, I'm not I, kidding. It's behind, the screen okay. shut off, everybody, so, so I went to sleep, but it's well, on. One of them most likely knows about it. Anyways, yeah. for a different podcast, mm-hmm. okay? I, my children are pure, okay? They don't have vaccines. We're banned from schools. We're banned from... It's been quite the obstacle course of raising <laughs> little children yeah. to be pure in a world where that is... An absolute no-no. Sure. But something in my heart ever since they were born was like, we're going to do it, and I don't care how many arrows get slung at me. I'll take everyone. Good for you. We're going to try our best. Yep. And so, anyways. However, when he was nine months old, his mom and I went to Washington, D.C. to visit family for Christmas time. On our way back, he got sick on the airplane. He started getting extremely sick to the point where I'm really worried about him he can't fucking breathe he's not doing good he's like nine months old or something eight months old and i obviously took him to the doctor because i was a young man and they tell me that he has whooping cough they want to give him the the jab i say nope nope he doesn't get any of those and then they proceed to tell me that's the reason why so now i have family friends and the doctor saying that my child's essentially going to die and the reason is because of a uh, uh, a dad who got a hold of some woo-woo bullshit on the internet and it's all my fault and it really made me stay like it was bothering me because i really started to think like maybe i did convince myself of going off sure. the deep end i went down the rabbit hole of bs and now i'm actually going to severely harm or maybe even kill my child because of it so it would keep me up at night and i research and research and it would i would just find out more information about why we're not getting the jabs. So I'd stay true to my guns. I came across colloidal silver. I started reading into it, reading into it. I went and purchased some. Not even, you know, I got it, I think, from like Fred Meyer. Mm-hmm, so it's, sure. it's not even very strong, maybe 40 or 80 ppm or something. Not very much. And I got it, and I look on the back, and I there's a contact number if you have any questions. I call it. 
And this doctor answers in Florida. He's a naturopath, super nice, proceeds to tell me. Like, I tell him what's going on, and he says, this is what you need to do. You need to get a nebulizer. I don't know if you know what that is, which I did not. He says, it's a class two medical device. You're either going to need a a prescription for a doctor, or I have a website, but it's going to cost a little bit more. Because it's not going to be covered by insurance or anything like that. You need to get this nebulizer. You need to get this colloidal silver. You start putting, I don't even remember how much, a tablespoon in it three, five times a day and put the mask on him and let him start breathing this in and then get what he called sodium asorbit, which is just pure vitamin C. He says, start giving him that in water. You'll know when you've given him too much, as in an overdose, because he'll get diarrhea. So find out, get him to the point where he gets diarrhea and then tone it just a little bit down from there. You start doing these things every day and I want you to call me in like three days. And I said, okay, you know, I, I will do that. And sure enough, man, my son is is better in like three days. He's up, he's running. And I remember his mom one night kept asking me in bed, are you sure he's going to be okay? And of course, as the man holding down the fort, being the mountain, yes, he's going to be okay. But on the inside, I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I'm really concerned. And to have a, a you know, a nine-month-old kid who can't breathe, his airway's blocked up, you just hear wheezing, he's not sleeping. It is scary as hell. Sure. But long story short, we healed him due to natural remedies that anyone can use, anyone can find. So to see that you have it, even with shungite water, it's like, man. You can make it yourself. I, I've used chlorosol for, I don't even know how long, a couple decades now at least. Okay. A long time, and I do make it with... Um, shungite water and all that matters. Um, and then we make it on the nano size particle level. I won't bore you on how it's all done, but that's a thing too. Chlorial silver is fantastic. We've been nebulizing for any kind of lung issues. I don't care if it's the, the drama that we all just went through for a few years, all that BS or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to get in all that. Um, but you can, and just your everyday things, you can do that. You can put it on not just the beehives, like I mentioned, but topically on yourself as well. There's a lot of things you can do, and you can dry it. And so, oh yeah, chlorosilver silver is fantastic um, healing tool. Yeah, yeah for, and animals too. So if you have eye problems, put it in your eyes, especially ours. It's nano-sized particle. You're not going to feel the silver, and it's not big enough to have an issue there. Uh-huh. It takes care of funguses, bacteria, all sorts of things. It's the silver. Yeah, pure silver. The silver bullet has something to it. It and there's a reason we have our shungite water beads we were talking about earlier wrapped with pure silver because it does. And there's a reason back in the day on other um, pandemics of things, the wealthy people lived because what were they drinking out of? Silver cups and vessels and things. They were lined with that or solid silver, and that was killing the bad stuff in the water. So they were getting better water, whether they knew it or not. But okay. silver is definitely a thing, and that's why on our cosmic silver shungite, I call it, I actually tumble shungite nuggets in a hexagon-shaped tumbler that's not random for three days. That's not random either in this back room with thousands of little tiny silver bars. That's our tumbling medium. So I'm talking about a rock tumbler for those that don't know. Um, and I put, usually it polishes rocks. In this case, it transfers silver particles onto the shungite, and that's what we call cosmic silver shungite. And the energy boost that does to it is mind-blowing. And again, we get, I don't know how many doctors come in here testing this stuff, and they'll call BS on it, and some use um, just muscle testing or energy testing, some have pendulums. There's lots of ways of doing it. They'll have, long story short, when they leave, they have fistfuls of the stuff. Wow. Because of how strong and how it responds to them. And again, they'll, they'll come at the question everything. I say that to everybody listening, too. Do your own research. Try your stuff. Um, and then when you have that aha moment, 
just continue um, with your realization. And then it gets stronger, too. So even if, and actually, that colored silver is right outside the door here in little jars. Oh. So if you have that, then hold on to it. Imagine your intention you want it to do. In this case, you know, heal your boy. And then the kicker is imagine, and again, I'll go, we'll go with this example. Imagine him already healed, not healing. Okay. And that's a big deal in my various energy training modalities I've had. I'll use Reiki for one example. Often, let's say I had a broken arm and I had a pile of Reiki. I'm going to make fun of all this, but it's all legit. If I had a pile of Reiki masters around me flinging their invisible energy at me, they're often taught, um, you know, imagine the blood going there. Imagine the bone mending and all of this. Remember, I'm a cheater, as I said, so I get to see. So then I would perceive, and yes, I get to see it then. Let's say the bone mending, and it was something other than that I was doing at the time, but for this conversation, I would see they were programming perpetual healing. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they didn't know that, so yeah. I'm not dissing anybody. Kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Waiting it, for it to happen. There you go, because time's not a thing either. Right. So if they imagined, again, go back to my example of a broken arm, let's say, if they imagined my arm already healed, that's the energies you're affecting in the order. Your physical body matches your energy body, not the opposite. Everybody's been telling me, and you know, I was getting through the stuff that your energy body responds to that. I'm like, no, because then again, remember, I'm seeing this stuff, so I see your aura. I'm like, if I can get the person in front of me in a session that I do to imagine this side or the other, I see it affect their energy body, and then their physical body changes. So if you have a, a stomach issue, usually I'll perceive an energy issue around that area of them, and if I can get them to change their thoughts and feelings on it, well, they magically heal their stomach issue. Okay. Yeah, that's a thing. So, so you're, 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 the spiritual realm is actually upstream. Yeah, you're an energy being and a physical experience. <laughs> yes. So we all need to remember we're not our bodies. And we all know that when you die, you get out of your body, do do whatever you know, you, I won't get into all that from there. But whatever your understanding is. Mm-hmm. But at least down here in these vehicles, kicking it around here, we just have to have the aha moment. I'm not my body. So yes, again, placebo effect. It's energy work. I don't care what word they use. Or join a religion, they're gonna call it a miracle. Either way, the human did energy work. That's what's really doing it. And you don't need the sugar cube or the preacher to tell you you're healed. Yeah. Do it yourself. And that's and then another tie-in I would say is when I perceive somebody's energies, I'm like Tyler's here in front of me sitting on a couch. It's, it's I do sessions remote and in person, but when I see somebody here, and it goes either way, the frequency that I do the psychic thing on is the same, and again I have to have a way of describing this, is the same frequency or energy as your imagination. That's what I was saying earlier. Your imagination's real. Yes. It is. And me perceiving frequencies, I'm like, and I didn't know that because as I made fun before the podcast, I don't have the psychic manual. I didn't get one of those if there was a thing. Yeah. I just jump in and start trying to swim and really figure it out. I'm sure Amazon sells one. <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> and they'll probably give you a certification. That's or, right. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of rules. Who knows? The rules. Yeah. Now, your imagination and emotions are, are really affects this reality. I have this. Um, have you heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza by any chance? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I listen to him quite often, and the other day I was listening about um, manifesting law of attraction intentions, shifting your shifting your perception through your emotions, and because time isn't a thing in the next realm up or or the the the. Sure, time is a thing by this artificial construct that humans use so that we can schedule shit out and plan things. But there isn't actually point A to point B. It's just always just point. It's just now, here all and now. the time. That's right. 
So when we meditate, what he was talking about is changing your reality, essentially, through in between your ears. Because by the time we're, say, 30 years old, we've already programmed it with so many programs that it's running on autopilot for the most part. And then we have these triggers and these traumas that come up, and then we have these defense mechanisms, and we go through these these loop cycles. And that's our monkey brain just in total control doing the robot thing of surviving through life, which it's very good at. But usually somewhere along the lines of 30 to 40 years old, a human being is sick and tired of being ran by its monkey mind, and the soul wants something more. But then they're not in alignment with one another. It was, you know, when you're a little kid, your 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 brain is just doing its thing, and you're going along with it. It's like the mind is dragging the body on a leash. Sure. And then what happens is the soul wants to drag the mind on a leash, but the mind wants to fight the leash off. And it's because of the way that we perceive things where it's our imagination and then the emotion or feeling that comes with it that our brain doesn't know the difference between real, whatever that is, and imagination. It it doesn't decipher the two. It's It just is. They're both the same in your mind. Your emotion that comes along with whatever that thought is, is what like brings it to life. So a lot of times we'll say, we'll just take someone who is depressed and they want to be happy. But every single thing that they do, their thought has an emotion already attached to it. I'm depressed, but I wish I was happy. And that feeling they get of inadequacy, of not value enough, or I'm overweight and I really need to get my health in, in better shape, which brings them to this negative feeling while thinking about the positive, such as starting to work out or eat better or whatever it may be, comes with this, oh, that's going to be hard, it's going to be too much, I'll never do it, inadequacy, usually, again, which solidifies the reality of when I think this, I feel this, and therefore that is real. And so he had gone into a meditation of being able to switch like that because time isn't a thing. And so he had brought up so many people will spend 40 years trying to get from point A to point B because, like you said, they're prolonging the process by waiting for it to happen down the road. They're not embodying it's already happened. So he says in meditation – in order to get to this realm where all possibility, oneness, there is no division, separation, form, or matter, because that's the 3D realm, we go inward in meditation rather than outward. Here in the 3D realm, we're always looking outward, but the next realm up is all about inward. So if you're meditating and you get to the point where you're deep in meditation, you went from somebody to nobody or to some from somebody to everybody you went from or i went from 
Tyler in my living room sitting on the floor to, as in I was somewhere, to nowhere or everywhere. It's all, I don't know, it's all the same. There is no division. Maybe it's it's both. And you you have these, you're taking away all of the identities. You're going to the realm of oneness, of collective consciousness, of, of infinite land. And then you come up with your thoughts of what you want to manifest or attract into your life. We'll go back to whatever, money, fitness, whatever, new new wife or husband, children. And you get that vision and you hold that imagination because, like he said, it doesn't matter whether it's real or imaginary. Our brain doesn't care about that, which is the electrical part of our body. Then our heart is our magnetic side of our body. And if we can get our magnetic side, our heart, to match a positive emotion or feeling to the imagination that we have, you no longer are going to need to go to point A to point B. What you are going to do is you yourself will become the vortex, and instead of you going to it, it will come to you like that because there is no time. And I was like blown away because when you just brought up your healing of say the arm it's the exact same thing it's it's they are portraying trying to build it back together you're portraying it's already all back together and we're good to go yep right here and now that's right the here and now Mm -hmm. not the point a to point b we're not trying to get somewhere we're not trying to get something we already have it Right. And it's like, holy shit, that's that's like a little secret that I can put, a little key, a little master lock that I can now put in my toolbox of, you know, things to use in life. And that's great. Um, Expand a little bit on that. So some people say, well, I'm healing. Ah, think about what I just said there, healing, I-N-G. Cut off the I-N-G, add an E-D, you're healed. Healed. Already done. And then that's how you get it to manifest in the here and now and not be some far off thing. When you're talking about Joe Dispenza too, they'll call it heart brain coherence. Okay. So moving energy from your third eye to your heart chakra, for those that know those terms, and you can just imagine doing it, that will send energy between those chakras and it's kind of like an etheric workout. And you actually have 40,000 sensory neurites in around your heart chakra. You have a second brain in your chest, physically, literally do, and the doctors all know it. And once you know that, you can use it more. And that's that heart-brain coherence. So it's not, a again, a special diet or, shock or a yoga pose, this, that, and the other. It's knowing it, having the aha moment, and then knowing, well, I'm going to imagine the energy moving from here to here. And then all of a sudden, you may get that ringing in your ear, which is you picking up on you know, other senses or frequencies in the environment. Um, sometimes when friends are around you, I'm talking about your, your well, I'll use the term spirit guides, that too. Um, so that's that's a workout, knowing that. And then also... We don't exist, and I think you know that, in, and I'm pointing at my head, in this cholesterol sack we call a brain as an entity. We exist, we're driving these vehicles from your heart chakra. So if we imagine everything coming, already starting from in there, not outside from some guru or some club or religion or whatever, imagine coming from within yourself and then expanding from there, that's kind of like a firewall or virus scanner. So I'm an old Microsoft tech as well. So I'm a geek. 
And so I bring in some of those terms. So what I'm saying is if we start thinking about, well, I need to download this from the ethers or from this group or this, that, and the other, that's like jumping on the internet into a public chat room and saying, well, tell me all the answers. Yeah. How's that going to work out usually? Yeah, not good. Not well. So if you think, just have the thoughts, well, I want whatever's coming from within me, your heart field, that's in a love field, what's good for you. So now the messages you get are going to be in alignment with you. But if you sit around and grab your... Um, whatever your tool is and go sit and focus outside and imagine bringing it from the outside. Well, there's a lot of entities out there that not just me, but others like me get to perceive or see, and they're not all the nicest ones doing what's in alignment with you out there. So there's always that aspect. Yeah. So there, therefore you don't have to worry about in that chat room I was talking about for an example, go from within your heart and then you know that it's coming through you that way. And it's going to be in alignment with you. And then you have, you don't have to worry about, well, is that a bad guy out there? Is that somebody out of alignment with me that I'm hearing or connecting to? So that's one way you to get around. You can feel it. Yeah, you'll know. Uh-huh. You can just, just having the thought that, well, whatever, I want to pass through my heart chakra. And if your imagination or intention is, I only want to hear what's best for me. That's a thing, too. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to do it. Where some people, and, you know, pendulums are tools or energy tools, dowsing rods. I teach classes and all these things. They're just ways to perceive energy. But again, have the intention that the energy is going to come from within you. And that's that really keeps it again in words like in alignment with you. What would you say to the people who have never experienced energy or know, know about crystals or dowsing rods or pendulums or thoughts? Like, where where would they even start? I was that guy many decades ago. I called BS on everything because I'm just that that strong willed or um, you know, there's lots of words for it um, type of personality. But I needed that for me to have my own aha moments to see it was all real. So, again, I call BS on it. One thing brings us back to Shungite. Literally, when I paid enough attention, listened to it, held on to that rock, it earthed or grounded me. It moved what some people call attachments. It's all energy or frequencies. So then I could perceive more of my reality. And all of a sudden, yeah, not just tinnitus-like symptoms, but the gut instincts heightened, and I can feel energies now. And it varies for everybody um, and you don't have to reach a certain, I'm going to make fun of it, a certain level by the time you're 20, 30, 40. That's not a thing either. So nobody get disheartened out there. I don't care if you're 99 years old or nine, you can perceive more. And it brings us everything from back to diet and your thoughts and then ground, earthing or grounding. So it's kind of accumulation. Um, but we're all energy sensitives, but it's hard to perceive that because we walk around, all of a sudden you feel like maybe a little pressure in you. I'm not talking about the ringing like um, Tyler and I were talking about, but just say maybe a little pressure or pulse or a weird twitch on your neck and there's nothing physically that you can see to explain it. Well, then open your imagination, see what comes in. And as you start doing things like that, and don't kick yourself if you don't get some big download from, you know, whatever, this, that, and the other, just be open to it. And then those things heighten as, as you progress. Follow those breadcrumbs or synchronicities and then the stuff heightens that way. The more you pay attention, the more they happen. Yeah. That's how it goes. I think so. I, I have a little saying that says the first, because I call this magic. And the reason why mm-hmm. I call it magic is simply because I like to. Sure. Some people call it whatever, orgone. People call it prayer. People call sure. it miracles. People call it uh, placebo effect. They call it whatever you want. I, I don't care what word you use. I use magic because I think it sounds cool and I like to use yeah, it. It's fun That's to simply say. why yeah, sure. I use it. But the first rule to magic, and this is just coming from me, this is not, this isn't a rule. This is my rule, and I think that it works, and that's why I stand by it. But I'm the one who made this rule up. The first rule to magic is you have to believe in it. If you don't believe in magic, 
Probably not going to work. Sugar cube won't work either. Placebo effect. Exactly. Or the preacher tapping you on the head or whatever nope. happens. If you there. don't think you're going to win the race, you probably are not going to win the race. If you don't, you know, you have to actually believe in order for it to happen because that is the reality and the imagination syncing together with the emotions. Even that, I would say, know it. Know it. Okay. Yeah. Don't believe it. Know it. Know it. Magic absolutely is real. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you with this podcast right yep. now if magic wasn't real. We didn't, I didn't say, hey, come and, come and do a podcast with me. Yours wasn't, hey, come do a podcast with me. It was, hey, this person talked about you and I'd like to meet you. And then you send the message to me, but I'm already driving to come here, but you're not going to be here because typically you're never here at that time. But you were that day because, well, because we had to meet each other. Yep. The synchronicities were unbelievable, he's telling you, in this meeting of us. It was going to happen no matter what. Yeah. There was no stopping it. No. And I tell you, uh, there were, we sat down and talked about this on another podcast. On, there were no less than five individuals involved in that interaction, just so you know, from moms to wives to the other the people I didn't even meet, your, yeah. your podcast listeners to you and I. We all had to pay attention to some level for all of that to line up. Yes. That's a big deal. That thing. is a big deal. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and and the thing is, I want the people out there to start experiencing this magic in their lives because it makes life so much more exciting and fun and like exhilarating, beautiful. It's not just this mundane nine to five grind your life away till you die of old age and rot in the ground. That's and the ten percent. Get in the ninety. The ninety percent is where it's at. Yeah. Speaking of crow, he has. Uh, a documentary called shoot the moon and on my podcast i talk about all things i've had air fighter pilot jets i've had cons conspiracy theorists i've had all sorts of things in your opinion what do you what, what do you think we're on are we on a ball hurling through space are we in a firmament are we on a flat thing are we on a square thing a round thing what's your opinion that's a Big question, because I can come out of many layers, but from the 3D perspective, I mean, yeah, we're on what we call a planet, and there's a moon, and I'll tell you, um, I'm probably upset. the moon's not what a lot of people think it is out there. <laughs> Fuck no, it isn't. Oh, no, hell no. <laughs> oh, no. And I can, I, so I'm actually, um, so I've done podcasts and things, uh, they call it remote viewing. I like remote perceiving, because I don't just re able to remote view, and I stumbled in this, but I can remote, and there's probably a word for it, smell. And I didn't know that was a thing, and okay. so all of a sudden I did, I'm like, what the heck? And it doesn't, and so I remote perceive, which then doesn't limit me. And I have remote perceived the moon and the dark side of it and all this, that, and the other. And we can go on for hours on that. But I'll tell you, which is what ties into Shoot the Moon, which is the movie he's talking about that Crow did. And he recorded it on a telescope with video. It's emitting a frequency trying to keep us in what we can call third density down here from trying to keep us from perceiving the metaphysical, and he happened to catch, uh, I don't even call it whatever, a frequency wave coming in. It looks like a, to me, it looks like like almost like a rendition. Like, oh, when, sure. you know, it's like the, if you were watching something on like a TV screen, and then the screen had to rendition from the bottom up, like an old VHS or something like that, it's like it had to like re-upload or something. It's so bizarre. I tell you, and I won't get this whole another podcast as well, but that gets you into the 9-11 stuff, by the way, hint, hint. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of stuff going on there. So, yes, they can do things like that, and it's all the play of frequency. And they, they have announced it, too. They can um, get certain water molecules and others within the atmosphere environment to 
respond to frequencies to generate images. So, yeah, they can make a UFO up here. They can make a whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, they can do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, their little project blue beam they got oh, set up for yeah, us. Exactly. And there's, I mean, it's not chance that the moon, as we'll call it, is the only known object in the universe that is exactly orbit. And it does spin, of course, but it spins in perfect alignment with us, so it's always facing one way. Why don't we have pictures of the backside, but we have pictures of galaxies away? We can't. How many satellites have we sent past the moon? They can turn around and look. Yeah. Okay. But they and, can. Oh, but no, all of a sudden. And even so, ah, it, it just bores me almost even. It's just so we should all just have those aha moments, question everything that Tyler and I are saying to you. Look it up if you are. And then you'll have those realizations or, again, oh, shit moments. Go, oh, and just think there's something more to it. And then just keep expanding, and you may stumble onto more stuff that we're not talking about. But, yeah, you're answering. So there's a lot of stuff going on up there. There's a lot of entities up there. Yeah. What we call ETs down here, um, and we're up there. So I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. We can get specific or be vague. You can go wherever you want, really, because I'm not shy. I don't have I don't have a... I don't have a filter or a sensor on this. I want the truth. And so oh, I go sure. around, and obviously on this, I'm well aware... I know you haven't gone up there. I haven't gone up there. Crow hasn't gone up there. It is simply speculation because we're not allowed to go to these things. We can't go to Antarctica. We can't go to the moon. We can't. There's all these rules that have been regulated to, you know, us berry pickers down here who aren't a part of the big elite club are, are essentially in a zoo. We're in a captivity. It's a big Limited reality, but it's limited. Is it? This is why I go back to the Truman Show. You can do you can do whatever you want in here and live your life, but you can't go up there and you can't go too far that way, because because why? Yeah. So let's go into detail. We're at an hour and twenty five minutes. I keep things between an hour and a half and two hours, so we can go as long as you want. And we we got into a little bit about the UFO thing or the um. So I've I've got lots of firsthand experience on that. I mean, above the prison, I've got them when I was growing up. And before I was into the woo woo stuff in California, I'd see what we'll just use the term UFOs going underwater near Catalina Island. I'm like, what in the heck is that? That's not. And that was I was 15. I was a teenager up until I was I don't know a decade ago or so driving up to the prison. It's a maximum security prison, middle of the day, by the way. Um, showing up for my session, and there's they call it the big yard where. Where the people in, they keep changing the name of this, but the people that were incarcerated there were playing in the yard, and all of a sudden I'm driving up and I see a UFO hovering above the yard, and there was at least 300 inmates out there, tower guards and everything like that. Nobody responding to it. I'm still driving, and they're all moving, they're all like frozen or anything. I'm like, what is? Why is? And it was I knew the guy in the tower. These are all friends of mine. So I'm like, why is he just sitting there watching the guys in the yard? And then I look back up and start remote perceiving the craft, looking into it, okay. and doing, all of a sudden, I feel a little, I don't know, it felt like as if you touched your tongue to a 9-volt battery, okay. but my whole body, and then the craft started phasing out. It, it caught me looking at him. So I yeah. was already perceiving through my chakras or metaphysical senses, so I could see it, long story short, and others weren't. They had their oh shit moment, and they go, oh, Crazy guy coming up the hill in his truck sees us, and then they phased out. Okay. That was a thing, too. Yeah. And I've seen lots of stuff at night there um, around the prison. Oh, heck, on 3D. I don't remember how many years ago they were talking about silent black helicopters and airplanes. That's a legit thing. They flew over our prison. I have it on video where I'd see a line of helicopters coming up, and I could hear and see the two. But all of a sudden, and there are no lights on the middle one, and it got over me because I was a perimeter guard at the time. 
driving a vehicle around the outside of the prison, and all of a sudden they fly over, and it was an intentional thing on their part, because I got film of all this, silent, dead, silent helicopter. Wow. There are no markings on it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'd probably heard it, something like that, years before on Coast to Coast of George Norrie or something other. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but never had my own interaction with it. All of a sudden, I had one, and that, usually that story I drag out like 10 minutes, but we're limited, but that's a thing too, and as I realized it and just accepted it, more of that stuff would happen, and then I'd have more experiences, because I thought, well, well, of course there's UFOs, and then wrap my head around, and then I'd perceive more of them, and then I'd have clients come in, tell me their stories, and it goes, even in the Sasquatch realms, I thought that was, well, I think, oh, sure, that could exist. Oh, no. no. Those are straight up trucking around out here. Yeah, and they're not trucking. They're they're all over the place. They're running and See, told that, you some of those stories, I think, yesterday, maybe. Yeah, not, sure. not No, you didn't. I didn't get in. Oh, no. I mean, we got a minute. Well, I can let Tell me out. some Bigfoot stories. I, and I have actual, again, I thought when I first got in this, I thought, okay, well, I can imagine they're a being. Maybe they're, I've heard everything story from they phase here and they're invisible and some can see them, some can't. So I'm just trying to work all this through. In my head, I'm open to anything. I was still an officer. I lived out in the city. Some people may know listening. I lived in Gold Bar, Washington, at the foot of the Cascade Mountains. I used out in the boonies. No traffic lights for two cities, a little tiny town. Driving to work. Literally, I saw one run across Highway 2. It was a couple hundred yards ahead of me. And I thought, and I'm like, I didn't know what it was. I knew it was really big. Um, so I start to see, and I think, okay, well, and my sight was coming on, my, my vision, so my psychic senses. So I thought, Okay, maybe it was on the, again, I'll make fun of it, the woo-woo levels. Maybe I was seeing it in spirit form, this, that, and the other. Oh, no. I look in my rearview mirror, cars pulling over, swerving behind me. They saw it, too, because I wasn't even responding to it. I was still going. I was crossed over. And in that area, again, some listeners may know, there's a little tiny steeple, little church that fits maybe two people. Yep, on the left-hand okay, side. There you go. And that's how I can get my sizing, because he ran right behind that into a field. And there was no big experience. He didn't turn around and wave at me or anything like that. He just trucked into the field that was growing corn or something because it was high stocks at the time. But I had the visual of that little steeple or church, so I knew how tall he was. And that's when I had my, oh, my gosh, moment. It is that or the other. Mm -hmm. And then he ran off. I mentioned, I'm going to go quickly on this one. My dad's now in his, I don't know, I think he's 86. He didn't tell me until he was in his just hitting 80s that he wasn't just a Marine. He was in the NSA. He was straight up a spy, you can call it. And he gets into all his stories telling me all this. I didn't know it, so I was already in my 40s. He tells me about his story. He owns 40-something acres in Fort Jones, California. Remember, now he's in his 80s, so little old man just walking his private property with his eyes down on the road, so I'm getting the visual for this, looking, looking for shiny rocks to pick up, to be honest. He crosses, and there's an old logging road on his property. He goes in this story and tells me about this, and I already know where he's going with this, but he doesn't have, because he's so old, he doesn't have the understanding of the word Bigfoot or Sasquatch. That's not a thing. He doesn't watch, what do they call Finding Sasquatch? What are right. those shows? Not a thing for him. So he goes in the story, says, Derek, I don't know what to tell you. I walk around the corner, and he goes on to tell me it's, I don't know, maybe 50 feet ahead of him. There was a bunch of blackberry bushes. He starts to describe this thing, and it's a Sasquatch. He doesn't know it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know, Derek, it's eight or nine, ten foot tall. It was covered with hair. I go, Dad, he goes, what? I go, <laughs> me already thinking he was going to tell me, I saw a Bigfoot. He, yeah. no, he didn't get in all that. And he's a very conservative guy. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, I said, what was it doing? He goes, it's just eating berries. I'm like, is that all it was? Nothing else happened? He goes, well, it stood there for about a minute eating berries. He just stood his, just standing there looking at it in awe. And then all of a sudden it turns around and faces him because I guess it picks up on him. Yeah. 
they just stand there and stare at each other. He doesn't run off screaming or anything because he knows he's not going anywhere fast. Right. He's in his 80s. He's 80s. Uh, you know, he's an ultra runner. He'd run 100-mile races throughout his life. So he's, but now he's 80s. Yeah. So he finishes the story and he says, well, it looked at me for about a minute. And he, again, describes it. And he describes a typical Sasquatch. And then it just leapt over the bushes and ran off. It took him two years after that experience to even mention it to me. In fact, it was my sister, who's a nurse. He had told her about it, and she's a hiker and all this, that, and the other. So she knew basically what it was, but never experienced one. Right. So it gets to the crazy woo-woo son, me, that I'm going to make fun of. Yeah. Finally tells me, but he didn't know, and it's a Sasquatch encounter. Yeah. And from a person, he couldn't live his life depending on it. He's just not that way. And again, and so he's not, you know, not much to question there. He's just that. And didn't have an understanding. So he goes into all this and tells me about it. So wow. that's cool. And that happened after I had my, I have a lot more of those. It was limited now. But other experiences out here on um, Mount Baker, in, in the Cascades, but they're all over. I've had them in Arizona as well. Huh. Um, so they're a thing, and they're physical as well. They, I think there's a lot more to it. I think so, too. Oh, yeah, because I've seen them, what they would say, disappear. So I just think, well, they're kind of phasing out. Yeah. They use containers, like I was talking about with the, the soccer ball there. Um, to affect their energy field and just change frequency. Yep. That's what they do. Shape-shifting. Um, oh, yeah. I've gone out with my daughter since then, and we've done the whole gifting thing. Um, put it out there where they'll grab branches, and I can, because I'll, I'll just say I use my psychic vision so I can see them now, because this was the early years. Now I can pick up, sometimes, not always, pick up on them. I did, and I'm like, oh, there's some right over here. So I'm telling you about a story. On, again, no, this was Darrington, Washington, with my daughter. She was maybe 15 at the time. She knows all this is real because I've done so much things around it because I'm not shy mm-hmm. that she knows the metaphysical is real. So she was open to it. She goes, oh, really? They're over there? What are they doing? I'm like, so I calmed down. I just, in my head, they'd call it telepathy. I chatted with them. I had a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, is there anything you can do to show her? Because she doesn't see like I do. Dead calm day, all of a sudden the branches and some bushes near us don't just shake a little bit like a bug landing on them. These things flop all the way down to the ground, and they say, look over here. So I'm like, well, look over here, sweetie. And I say, and she looks over there, and these branches get pulled down by them. And I get to see them. And it was, I'll just say, like younger ones. I don't yeah. really have an age. They don't come with a license. But they were smaller ones. So I joked with them and said, I think they're teenage ones. I don't know. Like kids. Have yeah. fun. But they did that on-call demand when I was thinking about it for her. So she got the visual perspective of it the branches being yanked down to the ground and again not it's not a windy day and everything's not moving to distinct things happening so she got her aha moment or as i joked i said oh shit moment she goes, it is all real i'm like i told you yeah, yeah. thing and then i like to say too you don't have to see it because some people come in and say derek i want to see things like you do i'm like well not really it can be overwhelming first of all yeah and then i say do you have to see your food to enjoy it to smell it to taste it no yeah you don't have to have all those aspects, but you need to realize it's a thing. So, And when you do, then maybe you'll get some sigh. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. You can love the wife with the lights off, too. I dare. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It's perceivable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing, too. Because, again, some people think, well, you get to do most because you can see. I'm like, no, nah, it's kind of distracting, actually. Yeah. Um, but, no, that's the little, I won't give the bird story, but the one I was totally about before here. So we pay attention to those things. Well, really quickly, because I just brought up the bird story. Yeah. Bring it up. Uh, Driving here um, to do this podcast with Tyler, and all of a sudden I'm driving and I'm looking around, just doing my thing, and all of a sudden I get a feeling. I look down, too late, but not in a bad way. I realize there's a bird sitting right in the middle of the road. So I swerve such that I go directly over him because I don't have much warning on here, but quick enough glance and I can see his energies or or still moving. So I go, oh, he's still alive. So I pull over 
help him out of the middle of the road because, you know, I don't want to get too much in the story, but I want some car actually, like, squished him. So it looks like he'd probably hit a car or something. Yeah. He had a broken wing. That was clear okay. uh, when I picked him up and moved him. But that whole tie-in, so I took the time to pay attention to that breadcrumb or synchronicity, paused for the moment, interacted, and helped him off the road and stuff from there. But that paused me from getting into what looks like an accident on the highway just down the road sort of thing. And so, again, I'm just pointing out that those synchronicities are things, if we pick up on them, they Listen to us. Yeah. One day I had a, I was running late for work, and I, like, I was hardly ever late for work. But this particular morning was weird because I didn't have a reason. I just was like lollygagging along, and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be in trouble. I, I just didn't care. I was like, yeah, I'll be there in 10, I'll be 10 minutes late. So I did, and I was 10 minutes late. And sure enough, there's another guy who lives by me, and we always see each other going to work. Well, he smashed into a deer that morning and totaled his truck. And all I could think is I was going to be in my little car. We always leave at the same time. Maybe that would have been me dead in my little car by getting smashed by a deer but because for whatever reason i felt like lollygagging around and not caring about being late or getting in trouble it might have saved my life so that lollygagging is your intuition yes we can call it lots of things but oh yeah listen to yourself Dude, you know just beating around the bush taking my sweet ass time and it was like i was okay with it it wasn't like oh my shit i gotta get to work i'm gonna be late you know the the stress the energies felt good to lollygag i was like this is what i'm doing i don't care yeah and another thing about sasquatch i about a year ago i called i was on craigslist i was looking to build a new fence for some of my goats i get on craigslist and i call this number and it's a fence lady where i didn't know it was a lady but when she answered it was a lady and Sure enough, she starts going into all these Sasquatch stories <laughs> uh, on the Craigslist. I don't know who this lady is, and she goes up to Darrington. She goes up to uh, Granite Falls. She works with the FBI and Sheriff's Department on cases of finding them. Oh. And she had told me how she had just recently encountered one, uh, not f- not physically, but it came the night before. Apparently, she was working on this fence. This guy needed some fence work done. She had mowed the lawn or something. I can't remember exactly what went on. But the next day, she goes out, and there's giant, like, two to three-man rocks out in the field, which were not there the day before. Also, the cattle gate, she said, I, you know, I've been working up here my whole life. A cattle gate will get smashed down because the cattle will get their their uh, legs, their, hooves, up, their yeah. hooves up there, and the weight of them will bend it down. She goes, but this one was not only bent down; it was also lifted up too. Like rip, the top one was ripped up, and the bottom one was down. She says, "Now you're gonna think, well, he bull probably got his head in there and did a you know a, a buck with his head at the same time." She, as pushing down on the bottom bar. She says, but it's impossible. There's not enough room in between. You you couldn't get the cow's legs and his head in there. Mm-hmm. He would be stuck, and if you did manage to, he'd have no leverage to actually get enough to break the bar. She's like, the only thing that makes sense is the guy keeps telling me that there's some red hair. This one had red. Yeah, sure. That he keeps seeing a man 
a really tall man who has red long hair and he can't get the full thing, but he hides behind like the back part of the barn. And she's like, I'm starting to think that the, you know, Bigfoot doesn't want me doing whatever I'm doing there because ever since I've been there, now there's big rocks that we don't, they're so big that we can't get them out of the field. We don't, they're too sure. big for even a couple men to carry. And now there's interesting damage done to the cattle gate that seems to be like maybe he stood on the gate and took his arms and ripped it up and got pissed off. So I just found it was weird because I'm looking to get a fence and the lady on the other line who does fencing proceeds to start telling me about all this Bigfoot stuff. (laughs) And we talked about it before about the truth resonating on a different frequency. And even though I wasn't there and I don't have documentation of all of this, the more spiritually enlightened I become and following my spidey senses, the more I can tell when someone's bullshitting or not. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. She didn't randomly just say that, and you weren't chumming for it. No, I didn't even look for it. No, it's a synchronicity or bread come, and yeah, and you didn't know we were going to talk about Bigfoot or Sasquatch today, and I'm only touching on the stories, but, oh, yeah, I've talked with um, so different tribal policemen around here that they've, Sasquatch have run right through their events. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, whole families of them just going through. I'm like, yeah, there are 20, 30 people seeing them. They just make space and let them go. I'm like, yeah, you don't announce. I'm like, no, there are people, and they get into the whole story, and I'm like, they've been around forever. What do you think the reason is? You know, we can have tigers and lions and gorillas and all this stuff, but we can't have Bigfoots. You know what I, <laughs> I mean? Know. Like, what what would be the reason of silencing or censoring Bigfoot? Why isn't it just another animal that lives out in the forest? Because it's not. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you're going straight there. It accesses, because I communicate with them, too. It, and I'm not the only one. And technically, anybody can. Um but they access their metaphysical senses. They use their chakras. That's how they can phase out or go invisible. They just change their energy field, and then it. And that's why you can. I've gone out there in the whole smelling thing. You can smell them, and see all kinds of things, and so anything you've seen on TV, it, it happens. It happens, especially in this area, but all over, by the way, too. Even Louisiana, when I was down there, and Arizona, where you couldn't find a tree within I don't know how many miles, there was one out there. And there's an officer friend of mine telling me who wouldn't tell it to anybody else, but he knew I was into this stuff years ago. He'd get an old story of Derek, you know, and basically tell me about a Sasquatch just running out in the near some hills or dunes going from A to B. Who the heck knows doing what? But you could see because we were very familiar with that area. And what was an, um, a flight controller as well? He told me the stories that was out there in Prescott Valley. I'm trying to get as specific as I can for people. In Prescott Valley, Arizona, in that area, they would see them just, again, big beans covered with hair. And they didn't, you know, they guessed they were Bigfoot. They didn't know. Yeah. Moving out there in the desert area. So it's not just a tree thing. Either. Okay. So they do. They're all over. They, they, you know, I guess the word teleport, do things like that. They can, and that's a, a vague term anyway, but they can do that. Yeah. And they're all over the place. Which is just sh- changing the energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always, I like to tell people, this is my philosophy on shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. Whether it's reptilian beings, whether it's... Uh, a ghost or paranormal activity, Bigfoot. The way I look at it is that, going back to time, time doesn't exist. And I take the 3D realm as like a DVD, okay? It's all happening in the DVD. But if I handed you the DVD, it's not really anything. You need to have a decoding mechanism, 
which is the human body, the consciousness, the whatever we have going on here, our, our electric being. This is going on all the time. We have the decoding device to decode the DVD. Within the DVD, depending on what you do, you can fast forward, speed up, pause, slow motion, but ultimately there is no time. It's just within the construct mm -hmm. itself. The construct itself is a certain frequency. The decoding mechanism, us, decodes that certain frequency. Just like the internet, in order to decode the internet, you have to have a router that decodes that frequency, and now you can pull it up on the screen. Without the router, well, it's no good. So to me, we'll just say this is channel 10. We're tuned into channel 10. It's clear as day. That doesn't mean that all the other channels, the infinite amount, are, are not there. They're happening right now at the same time that this is happening. We just aren't, we aren't tuned into that frequency. So to me, the way that it shapeshifts is it's not like all of a sudden the table or the human magically transform. They just change their frequency, and then you would need a different decoding mechanism to decode them. So it's like if we're listening to 99.9 .9 on the radio and you're going through a, under a bridge and all of a sudden you hear a little Mexican music while you're listening to Led Zeppelin, what was that? It's the bleed through. It's the shape shift. It's the, there was some frequencies that got intermingled and you either decoded ones that you typically wouldn't be able to decode or they came into a frequency that they typically wouldn't come into based upon the vibration around it. Exactly. That makes sense. It does, and your awareness level affects on how many channels you can pick up on. Because, of course, like you're just saying, if I had a radio in here and I hit, you know, this station, I hear country, turn the dial, blues, rap, disco. It's all here all the time. Yeah, it's where your focus is. And if you expand your focus or understanding to encompass the metaphysical, you pick up more metaphysical or the bleed through, as you're saying. Okay, that's the thing too. And again, there's no set thing you have to do. Have the realization your body and aura is the radio. So chill out, be open to it, and hang on for the ride because you never know what you're going to perceive. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, well, we're coming up. You have any last final words that you want to say? Any any little quick topics you want to get out there or messages? Um, I will say this to you. Well, not to you, but to the listeners. The little phony stuff that's been happening by our government and world people over the last three years is about to come back. I actually just got some insight on them coming back up with masks i seen in atlanta georgia yesterday they are going to implement covid restrictions again that's six feet that's masks that's whatever shots they got set up people are going to get sick they're going to blame it on the same shit as last time but you need to understand what graphene oxide is, what hydrogel is, how the BCI, the brain-computer interface, connects into the Internet of Things with the 5G towers. It's very important that you guys do not comply this next time, and it's coming. So get, get in touch with this 90% metaphysical. That's where your warrior spirit is honed. It's not in the five senses. It's it's your soul knowing that something isn't correct and you were put here for a reason. You need to remember why you came here. And as long as all of us are putting out the high vibration, like we just talked about, they simply can't exist in this vibration. They're shape-shifting, low-vibrational, parasitic entities 
And as long as we don't comply, no no lead needs to be slung, no people need to be lynched, no nothing. We can simply use our own convictions because of how powerful we are and say, no, thank you. You're not understating that. That's legit. Mm-hmm. That past dramas was not our reality here. We didn't play that game. We're not getting any more. No, no. That's, that's actual. Yeah, That's it. Okay, so if you guys like the podcast, make sure to send to your friends, your family, your loved ones. If you could subscribe to me, review me, um, like my stuff, share it on your social media platform. I know it's cliche and every single person says that, but it's true. We're under the thumb of algorithms right now. And if you like this and find this to be of value to your life, it's important that we all, we all you know, pull our own weight and put forth the effort of sharing the message because we know damn well the mainstream isn't going to share this message. They don't want you to know about the 90%. They don't want you to know about how powerful and special human beings are. So it's up to us to to combat it, you know, just like I talk about in jujitsu. It's infinite moves and infinite counters, which means infinite problems and infinite solutions. So rather than getting hung up on the problems, let's... Take a deep breath, relax, and get into our intuition and come up with solutions to combat the weapons that are being used against us. Matter of fact, I have a little weapon that I just gifted to Derek when I came here. And no, it's not a weapon of a firearm or an edged blade. There's other weapons that can be used in this world too. And some of them are magical weapons. Some of them are are using energy that you can't actually... Maybe you can, but I personally can't see. I can only feel it. And those are good tools because violence isn't the answer. As someone who trains violence every single week, I'm telling you, it's not the way. You don't get to have a peace, loving, harmonious, you know, syncretism with Mother Earth when it's full of hatred and, and violence and low vibrational stuff so if you want to live in a world where we all get along we're all brothers and sisters we love thy neighbor we trust everyone it's a harmonious thriving planet all we got to do is follow our heart and i truly believe within five to ten years if we all play our part this world can be more beautiful and more amazing and special than we could have ever dreamed of and it could happen sooner than we even imagine as long as we come together So with that being said, I'll see you guys next week. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to Derek and the Compassionate Viking. I hope you found it informative and entertaining. And hoping here that you're safe and be blessed. Again, appreciate your support.